Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Acts. Hello and good morning, friends and faithful listeners, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Bible Explained podcast on this lovely, lovely Tuesday morning and for sharing a cup of coffee with me as well. However, I have a guest on the podcast today who is not drinking coffee because she's a bum. She's drinking water right now, and I don't understand. <laughs> this is my sister, Jamie. Hi, Jamie. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm great. And I see that you're drinking water and not coffee. I am. But that's because it's two in the afternoon. You're not supposed to admit <laughs> that to anybody. I get up at six in the morning to record these live, okay? I know. I know. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't drink coffee at two in the afternoon because it doesn't help <laughs> me at that point. <laughs> Understandable. All right. So we're going to discuss Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47 today. And this is a portion of scripture I think that a lot of people get tripped up by, especially nowadays in our lovely Western culture. So turn in your Bibles to Acts 2. And we will be discussing this. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. version this morning. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayer. Fear came on every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and distributed them to all according as anyone had need. Day by day, continuing steadfastly with one accord in the temple and breaking bread at home, they took their food with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. The Lord added to the assembly day by day those who were being saved. All right, Jane. Well, I think the the one question people have about this portion of scripture is, does this promote... Socialism. Yes. <laughs> Socialism. <laughs> and uh, I think it was you actually that told me that you heard somebody saying that they wish this portion of scripture was not in scripture. Was that you? Yeah. I, I don't remember talking about, about it with you, but I was in some Bible study or it was a Sunday school class or something. And it, it was just a deep irritation that this was even there. Like, you know, I'm not going to be a, a communist. I don't believe in socialism. And if, if that's what the Bible's teaching here, I don't even want to, you know, listen to that, you know, and it was like kind of angry ab about this portion of scripture that is history, that something that actually happened. And um, that person just didn't like that it was even in scripture, which is really dangerous, actually, because God puts everything in scripture for a reason, uh, whether we like it or not, or whether culture can take it and put a spin on it or not. Right. So then this begs the question, do you think this is talking about communism or socialism? I do not believe that it's talking about socialism or communism or anything even remotely close to that. <laughs> so no. Same. Same. I, I, don't, I do not agree that this portion is talking about socialism or communism. In fact, I don't think there's any scriptural text at all that promotes governmental communism or socialism. And I, I've actually talked about that on the, the Bible Explained podcast before in the past. So then what is Acts chapter 2 talking about here, James? What's going on? I think it's more about Christians coming together 
helping each other, sharing out of what they felt was right at the time and what people needed. And they were just so excited. I mean, Pentecost had just come. They're seeing these miracles happen. They're just banding together and um, staying steadfast or just together and studying and and spending this time together. Because, I mean, think about how Jesus had risen from the dead. They're, they're celebrating this. They have the Holy Spirit now. I mean, this is just an exciting time. And so they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're sharing. And this is not something that anybody forced them to do. This was this is what they believed that they should do at this time. And if you notice, this isn't a commandment. This doesn't say, and God told them to do this. Or, and this is the way now that Christians uh, need to be living their life, that they need to like sell everything and move into a communal ground or a camp or, no, this is history. This is actually what happened. And it's showing that while these people were filled with the Holy Spirit, they weren't really concerned with material possessions, but they were taking care of each other's needs. Mm-hmm, exactly. It says fear came on every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. They believed together. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions and their goods and distributed them to all according as anyone had need. So as needs arose, people who had stuff that they could give sold it for money and gave the money to the people who were in need in their congregation. And this is still common, I think, in churches today. People who are able to give more, especially if a need arises, they will give more. For example, my church just had the uh, the carnival for the kids. Oh, the, that's the, so cute. I just wish we could have been there for that. <laughs> I know. I invited, I invited my sister and my niece to come along, but... Uh, they they just denied me because they, they hate me and my church. Oh, because we're coming to visit in two weeks. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, But my, my church does this school supply carnival every year, which this past year was the last year, unfortunately, that we were going to do it. But it's a community event where anybody, any child that is in need from the community can come and get a backpack full of school supply stuff, whether or not they go to our church. People gave, they gave money, they gave time, volunteer efforts and resources to fill these backpacks to teach these kids that were coming through the door the gospel message and then to, you know, give them their backpack for school. Which is, I I know that's so fantastic and it's a great outreach and you see um, Christians giving of their time and money and just being selfless in that way. And that is the example, not the fact that, okay, you're not allowed to have your own house or something like that. And you had that example. And even my family, we are part of like a Christian healthcare sharing network and we don't have, you know, traditional health insurance, but it's basically Christians who have similar values. And each month we actually send checks to other families and they send checks to us when we have needs. And it's kind of like just taking care of each other. We send notes and pray for each other and it's really neat. And that is kind of based on that, but it's not 
saying that the government is going to tell you, hey, you have too much and you need to be giving this or let's redistribute this and that. And, you know, they they need this help more than you do. And who do you think you are that you could, you know, be so privileged as to have that? We need to equal this out here. It's it's not like that at all. It's it's very different. And we can see that there were dangers with communist countries. Um, there are scary things that go on there. There are freedoms that these people don't have. And your average person is the one that's going to be um, the victim there. And the government is too big. And there are people who are profiting over other people. And it's not fair. It's it's really scary. And there has been a lot of evil done under the name of communism. So I think we need to be really, really careful when we say, oh, well, the Bible's promoting communism or socialism or look how well it works. And no, that's that's not the same thing. This is we follow the Holy Spirit. And as he tells us what to give and what to do, we act according to that, not according to uh, men telling us you have to do this and you have to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I remember when I did my previous episode about communism and socialism and the Bible, because I think it was back in the book of Leviticus that I did that that podcast episode. I actually looked up the difference between communism and socialism <laughs> and also capitalism and just to like see what the difference between all three were. I discovered that through my research, socialism is just communism light. There's no other way to describe it. Like, I, I know socialists want to say that it's so different from communism. It's totally just completely different. It's not. In, the end result is still very similar. And I'm sorry. I, I did my research on it. You guys can argue with me all you want about that, but you're not going to change my mind. That I do, use it, I do use it interchangeably <laughs> because there are so many similarities. I use but... it interchangeably as well. Because in, in my mind, it is basically the same thing. Maybe communism is slightly worse, but socialism, I think, just leads to communism down the road anyway. So I don't know. But why then is it OK for the church to do socialistic behavior, but it is not OK for the government to do it? Hmm. Well, it's not forced. And I don't really think it's socialistic behavior because, OK, this was the underdogs, let's say, and they're just like, oh, we're going to give. And they did. But socialism or communism really is um, when you have people in leadership and they're just, they're gaining. I mean, you know that there's going to be people gaining and taking advantage of people. There was nobody being taken advantage of. These were just people who, hey, I have that. I can help with that. I'm going to sell this. And we even see Spoiler alert, if you follow, you're going to be talking about this with uh, Ananias and Sapphira later on, they actually lied and say, oh, look, we sold this. Look what we did. And they end up dying. They end up dying because they lied to the Holy Spirit. It wasn't because, oh, you had to give everything away. No, it wasn't because of that. It was because they started lying and they were lying to the Holy Spirit and lying about um what they had and they didn't have to it says in the bible they're like why did you do that you didn't have to do anything why would you lie so there was still uh like an abuse of power there maybe like hey look at us look what we gave and that's that is not 
something that God wants us to do. So even in the situation in the church in Acts, there were some problems with the way that people did that. Um, and it wasn't ever required uh, of us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It has to be like a free will, free choice kind of thing that Christians decide to do. And this entire passage, it's not talking about anybody had to do these things. They wanted to do these things because they realized that there was no more slave or free or man or woman like it talks about in Galatians. They realized that they were all one with the Holy Spirit. And so they wanted to be one with the Holy Spirit. And so that's why they were so in agreement with everything. And it's almost like a picture of how how the church could really look, I think. Yeah, I mean, just giving and being excited and being of one mind like that's and in humility because that's really the mind that we um are commanded in scripture to have is a humble to live like jesus he was humble he he came down from heaven and humbled himself so we're supposed to have that aspect in our lives of how can i help you i i want to be humble and following jesus and another thing i want to point out is that if you take you know, I've seen that coffee mug. It says I can do all things uh, through a verse taken out of context. Um, you know, it's it's like taking this one little passage and being like, look, 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 it's socialism. Don't you see how wonderful this is? It could be a utopia. And if Christians could do it, we could too. And we should. And that's that's the way it should be. But if you look at the law, that's not how God set up life on this earth for his chosen people, the Israelites. That isn't what he commanded. And he says that all of the things in the law are basically summed up in love for God and love for other people. So that law was, is perfect. And if you look throughout scripture with how God deals with money, it's, it's not bad to have money. We should use it um, for our families and we should use it to benefit other people. And, you know, even in second Thessalonians, um, one of the verses that kind of, it's kind of like a punch in the gut, but it says, for even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone is not willing to work, don't let him eat. And that's second Thessalonians 310. So, I mean, if that's not saying, well, you can do whatever you want and everybody's just going to be happy and make money. And, you know, we're going to decide who makes what kind of money. No, no, we're supposed to work. We're supposed to um, provide for ourselves and we can share that as well. That's a gift that God gives us that as he's gifting this to us through our abilities and through what he's allowing us to make, that we can gift that to people who maybe have less or aren't able to make that kind of money. Yeah, Jame, I actually agree with you on the those who don't work shall not eat. I was reading through Daniel a while back and I noticed something really interesting and I think it's because I read it out of the NLT version. I noticed that the Antichrist is a communist or socialist. I have never thought of that. Yeah, because it actually says in scripture that he is able to redistribute wealth unlike anyone else in history. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
So um, there's definitely, I think, I, I truly do think that the Bible does not promote socialism or communism at all. I don't really think there's a strong argument for it either. I think that one of the biggest arguments is probably this passage that we that we read today. But even this is not talking about government at all. It's talking about the Christians being one in the Holy Spirit, if that makes sense. So here's what it says. It says day by day in verse 46, continuing steadfastly with one accord in the temple and breaking bread at home, they took their food with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. That doesn't seem like socialism or communism to me. No. There's no government involved in this. Are we are we taking one part of this also? Like it's saying, okay, they sold what they had and they're, you know, helping other people, but it's like, but they're praising God this whole time. Like, so are we like, oh, well, we need to praise God all the time. Like you don't hear that out of this passage or, you know, something like that. Why are we just taking that one part about the money and missing everything else? saying about this exactly and and that brings up an another excellent point is that socialism and communism always try to remove religion always right and so this is showing right here that these people had very very strong religion they were praising god with gladness and singleness of heart they were taking communion is what it says they were breaking bread at home they were taking communion praising god all the time. This seems like, you know, there's so much freedom here. They're free. They're mm. free to praise God. They're free to serve him. And they are exercising that freedom in Christ. And I, I think it's really a beautiful time in history. Um, and it's just really a neat thing. And I, I do think that whenever it's forced, you know, you, you hear sometimes about cults or something and they'll, uh, kind of get some conspiracy theories or scared and they buy their own campground and all these weird things happen. Like that's, that is scary. And that is not a, a good example of this, what's going on there. Um, you mean um, Jim Jones? When that happens, you know, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. That's scary. And there's fear in that these people, they're not acting in fear. You can tell they're not, they're acting in love. And so if you see this with fear or with force, God loves a cheerful giver. So I think that that's really important to make sure that we're looking at this. What was the motive here? Why were they doing it? And not just see, this is what we we need to do this. And this is how our government should act. And you know, that God doesn't give those, um, God, he it doesn't say God loves a cheerful giving government. You know, it doesn't say that. It's just like he expects his people to act in love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and God always places authority, you know, in in government. Even in the Old Testament, you can see that there was clear hierarchy, like in government, I guess. Is that the right word? There was a clear order to things. Right. There was a judge. There was smaller judges. There was the priests. There was, there was a government that God put in place with him being above it all. Right. And not the government above it all. God above it all. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that was a point that I wanted to ask you about because we talked about that at the beginning. 
before we started recording was you mentioned that when the government tries to come in and take power through the form of communism, let's say, that they are actually usurping authority over God. So can you shine some light on that? Well, I think that any government, you know, it's nice to have government that, you know, does try to abide by biblical laws uh, or biblical viewpoints and, and a worldview. But we know that that's not always the case. And we are still called to, you know, submit to our governments um, and pray for those and pray, pray for peace, because we know that sometimes governments will do wicked things to people and it has been done. And that doesn't mean that if the government is saying, you know, you must do this and it is completely against God. No, you follow God. Um, but in other cases, if it's something you're like, that's annoying, I don't want to do that, but it's not against scripture, then, then, you know, we submit to that because that is our authority, whether it's annoying or not. But if it's something where it is completely against God, we cannot follow that. But that that's not, no. uh, you know, just you, you think of uh, Hitler and everything. Um, no, there were people that risked their lives to go against that, to help others and actually do kind of what people were doing in the scripture here in Acts of, you know, sacrificing for other people and letting them hide in their you know, addicts and different things. So, but on the other hand, if they are telling you that, uh, like Nazi Germany, let's just use that as an example, um, you need to turn in people or, you know, they're for being a Jew, you need to, uh, you need, you need to turn in people for gathering too many people in one room. Right. That did happen, didn't it? Or even in the mm -hmm. fact that, um, my husband, he is a pastor and he, does marriages. So he is not going to do a homosexual marriage and he's already purposed that. But if that comes to a point where that's a problem, um, he still cannot do that. Even if the law says, yes, you have to, because you perform marriages, this is your job to do this. He cannot do that because he is sinning against God and he knows that. And so he's already made that decision. Like, no, I, I can't do that because that's not a marriage. And I don't have the authority from God to do that. So that that is a kind of scary situation that, you know, some pastors are in right now thinking, well, where's our church going with this? What when these laws change, you know, it's not I don't hate homosexual people. In fact, I care about them. And that's why I want to tell them the truth about the gospel and what the Bible truly says. Mm -hmm. um, but to hide that, you know, th there's there's a line where you have to say, am I sinning against God? And you have to be very, very careful um, that you are doing what is right according to God and what the Bible says that are you praying for your leaders? I don't, I don't care if your president is in the office right now, or if he's not, that is the president that is over our country and we should be praying for him. And that doesn't necessarily mean pray that he succeeds in everything. Maybe it's well, you pray that he has truth and that um, he will listen to God and that God's will will be done through this and, and with whatever is going on. So um, I think that it's really important for Christians to be involved in prayer because that's what the Bible tells us to do. 
and not just angry about laws that are being passed, but truly praying and trusting that God, he, we are actually citizens of heaven. So we follow those laws. Yeah, exactly. The moral laws in the uh, New Testament that are basically the same as the moral laws in the Old Testament. You can't just twist things the way you want it to be twisted. You do have to um, follow scripture and what scripture tells us to do. But James, thank you for coming on the podcast this morning and discussing some of these hard topics so that I didn't have to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. I'm teasing. I discuss hard topics. I think actually quite a lot, but I love it when I can, I love it when I can like share it with somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I know that because, you know, you've posted a couple things where you've gotten some comments and it's like, you know, how dare you say that? And it's just, well, I'm really trying to just follow the Bible here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm very excited to see the kind of comments I'm going to get on my new YouTube video where I talk about egalitarianism versus complementarianism, which will be coming up very soon. And speaking of that, I am in the book of Judges on the Old Testament side of the podcast, and we are going to be discussing, we actually already are discussing Deborah, but we're going to be going a lot more into depth with Deborah and who she was and uh, just whether, basically, what is a woman's role in ministry? And we will be discussing a lot of that coming up. Anyway, friends and faithful listeners, I'm thankful that you are here and I'm thankful that my sister was able to join us. So thank you, Jamie. I'll see you next time. Happy listening and God bless. Thank you.